Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from, some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy, so we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. In the week that saw the BBC's Pilgrims meet the Pope, Ryland joined the Strictly presenting team, and Richard Madeley get punched in the face on Good Morning Britain, this is Series Linked. I'm Emma Bullymore from the TV Times, and this is Mark Jeffries from The Mirror. Hiya, Jeffers. Hey, how's it going? Good, thank you. Well, on this week's episode of the podcast dedicated to everything on the box that's both on and in demand... But after that episode of Line of Duty, Roshenda Sandal will be joining us in the studio to talk about playing Lisa McQueen. We'll discuss Beyonce's homecoming to Netflix and ER actor Alex Kingston chooses her box set to watch before you die. You're listening to Series Links, the podcast for TV fans by TV fans. Hi, you Jeffers. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Long bank holiday weekend. What's not to like? I know. Loving it. Line of Duty's brilliant. Telly's good. What about Ryland doing It Takes Two? What do you make of that? Yes, yeah, a bit of a surprise that. Zoe Ball took over Radio 2 Breakfast, said she was going to carry on doing It Takes Two. And now there's a bit of a sort of, not quite a U-turn, but she said that she's going to now do it with Ryland. So I'm just a bit confused quite how it's going to work. I do think it works well, the format as is. So it's sort of big shoes for Ryland to fill. And I've got slight concerns, but people do seem to like Ryland. He's got quite a solid track record on Channel 5. So it'll be interesting to see where he takes the show, I suppose. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, at the time of recording, it's unclear whether he's going to be sort of in that Gethin Jones role where he's a roving reporter, which I think he'd be brilliant at. That's no problem. But like you say, I'm not really sure he can anchor a whole chat. I don't know if he knows a lot about Strictly. You know, whereas Zoe's been on the show, usually people around that that show have been on it as a contestant so it's a bit strange BBC seem a little bit obsessed with Ryland now they've got him on radio too but I think it's just mainly because I love Zoe and I think she'd be she can totally carry it but it's a lot of work yeah I think that's the only worry is Zoe is a huge Strictly fan I think Ryland is a Strictly fan too but it's whether he can bring the same amount of things to the show if he is going to host some of the episodes which I suspect given the breakfast gig for Zoe I think I think that's probably what will happen if I was sort of a betting man also think it marks an incredible rise for Ryland, really. He's officially sort of started as this sort of X Factor, almost like a reject. He then goes over and does some Big Brother coverage on Channel 5, which, to be fair to me, does really, really well. And he's sort of progressed up. He's got his own Radio 2 show now. And now a side part on the sort of spin-off show of Strictly. I mean, it's incredible. And he seems destined for, like, big things on the BBC now, which, which you wouldn't have guessed a couple of years ago. No, you're right. When you think of that scene from X Factor of him weeping and wailing when you know when he got through with Shirtsy and and you know I mean look at him now it's it's amazing so yeah good luck to you Ryland I hope it goes well 
Let's talk about some telly that's on. John Bishop has a new series on ITV. This is John Bishop's Island. Island is in country, not landmass. And it's more about the people and the culture than it is about the scenery, isn't it? Yeah, I think someone at ITV obviously likes those Billy Connolly travel logs and wanted to do some more. And uh, they've sort of got John Bishop to front them. That's sort of my take on it. It's a four-parter. They're only 30 minutes long, so there's, there's not a huge amount of detail. But basically... He's touring around Ireland. He's doing some gigs there as well. And they're sort of cutting between the little bits from the gig where he's making comments on the cities. You're seeing a few of the sort of people that make the cities tick. It's nice enough for me, but it's fairly lightweight and a quick watch. Nothing more than that, I think. What did you think? Well, each episode is only half an hour and ITV half hour is only 20 something minutes. So it did feel quite short. Yeah, there wasn't as much substance to it as maybe I hoped, but... John Bishop's a nice person to hang out with. You know, I quite enjoyed listening. He has obviously genuinely does have a real affinity with Ireland. He's talked about that's the place where his stand-up career really kicked off and where, you know, he and his wife have talked about moving there. So it's nice to see someone not just given a vehicle, but he's he's got a sort of relationship with the place. I don't think this is sort of memorable telly. I don't think anyone's going to really be talking about it. But if you catch it or if you have an interest in Ireland, then I think it's, yeah, quite interesting. And I think also John is pretty popular. Him and McIntyre, those sorts of people, they're, they're the guys that sell out arenas when they're doing the stand-up. So there's definitely, I'm sure there's a market for this type of thing. He goes and watches a Gaelic football match. I think that that's all quite interesting and him messing around with the fans is, is quite fun to watch. Then he goes down to Cork in the first one and we see a bit more of him doing a gig down there. So yeah, as you say, it's, it's a nice enough watch. It's not going to be memorable, but if you've got sort of a half an hour spare, it might be something for a commute or something like that. But John's not the only one that's been travelling around this week. Miriam Margulies has been on a big adventure as well. And this I found really interesting. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah, this is Miriam's Dead Good Adventure. Started on Sunday, uh, nine o'clock, and it's two parts. It'll be on again next Sunday, but you could easily sort of catch them both on iPlayer. And she's looking into mortality. Uh, It's quite a serious documentary. I'd maybe say don't watch it if you're feeling a bit vulnerable because there's sort of laughs. There's also potential for a few tears when you're watching it, I think. She's confronted her fear of ageing and she's going to look at sort of places in the UK where people are basically preparing to die. So... It starts off quite downbeat. She then goes to America where there are a lot of people who believe they can live forever, which is quite humorous, I find. Well, one guy's planning his 500th birthday party. And she she gets an invite. So, you know, sure, we'll all be there to celebrate. Yeah, and there's various different methods in a sort of Louis Theroux style that she meets some people who've got some unusual ideas for trying to live longer or or live forever in some cases. There's some weird sort of therapy that involves sort of making... uh, orgasmic noises shall we say which Miriam's not too keen to join in with she'd rather eat a radish and so there's <laughs> there's some quite funny bits in in that but there's also some very touching moments she goes to a care home and she meets some people there um, one lady in particular who's got dementia and that's very sort of tough watching but also the reality of what a lot of old people face towards the end of their life. I just thought it's really interesting because you think of Miriam Margulies now and you think about her being outrageous on Graham Norton and being this huge character. And, you know, she's no more for that now, I think, actually, than her performances. But she was really vulnerable in this. And I know, I, I'm sure everyone does, but I also freak out at the thought that, you know, one day we we're all going to die and all that. So, And she was being very honest about that and how it made her feel. So, A, I was immediately on her side from the beginning. I thought, wow, I I really appreciate you being honest about this topic, something that's quite taboo to talk about, and I'm interested to see where you're going to go. And it was interesting how she would meet all this cast of characters and she wasn't rude to them, but she made it clear. She didn't just nod along and go, oh, yes, yes, yes. She kind of was quite clearly thought they were slightly odd. Um, And it was interesting to get her honest point of view on this. And and she was, you know, I, I thought she took us on a journey quite well. 
I thought it was great in that sense, yeah. And she also, there's definite potential for for more documentaries for her to make. I don't know if she would necessarily feel as passionate on other subjects, but what I liked, as you say, she was fairly honest with them. And then also she would leave some of these conventional, leave some house, and she would be very blunt and say, what a load of nonsense, or I really don't agree with that. And sort of saying what a lot of us were probably thinking, whereas sometimes with a documentary, it sort of passes without comment. And there was just enough comment for me where she was talking about feeling sad or feeling angry or or thinking something was you know nonsense and and she was willing to say that on camera and I, I thought that that aspect worked really well too Well, guys, it is the drama that everyone's talking about. And we've been talking about it for weeks, but especially, oh, my God, last night's line of duty. It's all we've been thinking about all day. So we had to get someone else, didn't we? A few episodes ago, we had Adrian Dunbar talking about Hastings in the Series Link studio. And now we have one of his, shall we say, adversaries. Please welcome Roshenda Sandal, who plays Lisa McQueen. Hello. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We were still sort of recovering from last night. It was unexpected. <laughs> heart palpitations, <laughs> heart stopping. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, towards towards the end of the episode, it really kind of like ramps up, doesn't it? Keeps you on the edge of edge of your seat, edge of your toes. Absolutely everything, really. Because <laughs> Jeffers and I were saying beforehand that we should come to expect this. Jen Mercurio kills off big characters is what he does, and yet still we didn't You're see it You're still coming. shocked. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we feel yeah, stupid yeah, exactly. now. Exactly. What was so we did a Q&A last week, actually, at the BFI. And what I love about Jed is he says, um, we're going to try and make every episode the best that it can be. Not just um, sway towards formats, you know, like on the fourth episode, something always big happens. Or like we can have a few slower episodes because we've got a big one coming up. Every single one of his episodes are just like, bam, in your face. There's always a shock. There's always a shock, always a twist. And what do you remember about those scenes, you know, killing off Stephen Graham, essentially? I mean, it was amazing. It, it took quite a long time because obviously uh, with prosthetics and things like that, that that all takes quite a lot of time. So, um, but it was so cool. I mean, I mean, they've got tons of shots kind of like above him and and it is as is. We really were in a kind of like awful building that is really dishevelled and kind of um, just a wreck really because of the art department are so amazing on this show as well. And so there's no acting involved really because it is real there's real blood spurting out and everything because so. you basically had to stand there and watch Stephen Graham bleed out it was quite yeah, gruesome yeah very very gruesome and then order for the kind of like mess to be cleaned up I know it's because we've got quite a complex relationship as well so she was in a way kind of saying goodbye to her close friend I guess I say friend in inverted commas because it's so to and fro between the two of them. It's such a complex relationship. But I do actually think there was some real admiration between the two of them. So, And then you have that amazing line about livestock and then you go off and cry. Yeah. Which is amazing. Because <laughs> I've, I've not warranted any kind of emotion with Lisa, apart from she has a small um, panic attack in the toilet in kind of the first or second episode, I think it was. And... Um, so you've not really seen, you've only seen her poker face, which is why she's got to the position that she's in because she's been able to remain solid in a man's world and not ever cry, which is why she takes herself off and has a cry by herself. <laughs> and she's done that a couple of times now. And do you think, do you think that's because she, she's got some sort of conscience or some sort of morals? Do you think that's part of the deal with her? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, another thing that Jed said at the 
BFI was that he doesn't like to see characters as kind of baddies or, or goodies um, because it's it just gives it such a kind of 2D format. And I, I have to agree with him, really, because I think that characters are massively um, complex. I think that Lisa would be equally as good as a banker or a financier as she would a gangster. So, yeah, I, I, I totally believe that she's got emotions and conscience I believe that all of, all of them, all of them do. They just happen to be in this kind of line of work. And there's not too much you can say, I guess, looking ahead. But Lisa now, in theory, is is top dog. Yeah, in theory, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's 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 a lot of playing around with her um, mindset. As I felt the whole way through up until now, she's been much happier being number two, because uh, as with number one, you're putting in the orders of violence murder you know the real dirty work really is number one and I think that she's always liked to be the the strategist uh the the woman behind the curtain really making the plans um so but yeah now she is number one I mean you can really tell from her emotional outbursts at the end of the episode that she knows that she's in the Really, yeah. How much of this were you told at the beginning? Um, so we got up to, uh, when we arrived on set, we got uh, episodes, uh, well, sorry, before set, um, we, we, we got one to four. So I was aware of this this part, but then the, the last two episodes were a total surprise to me. And when you were auditioning, you must have known so little about the So, character. so, so, so little. I mean, I actually auditioned with the last scene. Uh, so I did a little bit of wow. little bit of that. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that out of context, you must, must be thinking. Well, I, I kind of yeah, I've got a, I got a little bit of context. And honestly, the way that people cast Daniel Edwards and Kate Rhodes James and and John Strickland was in the first audition and Jed, um, in the second. They're so they want you to do well. They'll give you the context that you need. It's not like hush hush. I know like some programs can be very like, well, you only get your sides and that's it. But they really want you to do well. So it it was such a great casting experience for me. I I was a massive fan of the show, so I was like really getting involved and you know. <laughs> Did you know at that point it would be opposite Stephen Graham? No, I didn't. I didn't that's know that. An added yeah. bonus. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my agent was like, oh, yeah, sweet, it's uh, Stephen Graham. But no, no, not at that time, I didn't know. He kind of got announced uh, after I'd auditioned for the second time, but before I'd got the job. So, um, yeah, I was like, yes! <laughs> and was there more pressure on the audition, I guess, knowing that it's line of duty? I guess at that point you don't know too much about how big the role is? or, um, or how Well, um, you could tell from reading the first two, I think we got the first two for the auditions, you could tell that Lisa was... I mean, that whole first step is kind of her turmoil. So you could tell she was a kind of a new series, kind of guest lead type thing. But uh, you say daunting, but I, I love the challenge of acting. That's why I like chose to do it. I'm so used to being told, no way, get out of here. Uh, but um, I try and embrace auditions now, being years in now, I try and embrace them and, and enjoy them because people don't want you to do rubbish. They want you... To do good. So, <laughs> how do you feel about Lisa as a person? Do you like her? She's a bit of a lone wolf. Is there any of you in her? Oh yeah, no. I I think where we cross over is our determination um, and drive and uh, ambition, which is something that you definitely have to have as an actor to keep going and dust yourself off and start again. And you know, for years and years and years before you finally get a, a yes, like what what I got with Line of Duty. But um, I'm not as hard as Lisa. 
<laughs> yeah, we're she's, definitely picking that up. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's absolutely hard as nails. <laughs> and after a scene like that, do you just like pack up and go home? Do you go and get drinks? Um, actually, do you know what? After that, I think I think we did just pack up and, and go home. I think Stephen had to do a few more reshoots from the back of his neck or or something like that, and uh, so he did that, and then we we all went home and. And had nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody nightmares, yeah. Does something like that stay with you, though? Do you, do you thinking about it? Obviously, you haven't actually killed anyone, but it's, it's quite a, a big scene. Does it, yeah, does it stay with you for a while? It's very kind of like dramatic and um, live because what happens is um, someone's there, the, the art department are there kind of pumping blood, so the, the blood squirt and pump is like really, uh, really it does look like you've hit the actual artery and, so you and sort of stuff. look like you have killed someone in a yeah and then when they kind of like dragged him off all of that is real wet blood and you know it's all we've all got to be really careful not to slip and you know all of that kind of stuff but yeah no definitely it sticks with you and also Stephen Graham is like one of my heroes in acting so to even I'm kind of pinching myself all the time doing scenes with him being like this is like a dream come true. When we were at drama school, we used to go crazy over all of his stuff. So, um, yeah, it was a dream come true, basically. <laughs> I read somewhere that there was an incident with Stephen where, obviously, he's quite a hard man, but there was one day when he cried on set. I think there was some sort of oil to blame, a, a dodgy <laughs> no, balaclava or something. I, I think I told this story. So well, there was one day when we were doing the uh, Eastfield raid and poor old Stephen came and he had a, a really, really, really terrible cold. And, you know, when you work in night, because we did a lot of night shoots, it's really difficult to kind of keep going if you're poorly. And so everybody around tries to make, them, make him feel better. And uh, the ladies at costume said, I'll put some Albus oil in your banaclava so you can breathe better but bless her she'd put like five too many drops in and <laughs> his eyes bless him were just streaming and streaming and streaming all no. that so we had a bit of a laugh about that but <laughs> yeah they, it won't real it won't real cry it's, it's too hard for that it's too hard what, what is he like is he quite intense in between takes is he is he actually oh, no 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 we have a we had a right laugh together we had a real real laugh and don't forget like a lot of the scenes and sequences we're actually in a real car like driving around real Belfast, so you'll kind of see us kind of drive past, or and we were just having so so much fun, so much fun in there. Do you have like Magic FM on? Yeah, yeah actually, do you know? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we would flip the radio on. Yeah, yeah, when it can't be heard. Yeah, bit little... wind and fire. Yeah, come on. <laughs> bit, a bit of Missy Elliott, you know, nice. for a bit more of a gangster vibe. Yeah, yeah. And how has it been with everyone throwing their theories at you and asking for spoilers or saying don't give me spoilers? Or... Yeah, because that's what most people do. Do they kind of say, no, don't tell me. I don't want to know. No, 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 no. But obviously, like, I've had my mum on the phone this morning and she was like, could you just please tell me what happens in Monday? And I'm like, no, absolutely not. You will not get an exclusive out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I suppose people think they want to know, but actually then it will ruin it. Yeah, yeah. come on. It's like opening a present before Christmas Day, you know what I mean? Like, it's nice, but then it's totally ruined the, the day, you know. And also, I, I think that's what's so amazing about this show is that people do go back week after week and they do talk about it during the week and they do have these theories and that can only be facilitated by the week gap because if, if you could just binge watch it, it would be a bit rubbish in that aspect. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a proper mm. argument for live TV and having things Totally. Event weekly. TV, don't yeah. they, they call it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and what kind of TV do you watch when you're not watching Line of Duty back? <laughs> 
I only watch Fine Juicy. <laughs> um, I like um, really gritty uh, drama. So I, I really like Shea Meadows' stuff, which is obviously why this job is a dream come true for me because a lot of his uh, sarcasm uh, in the show as well. I like um, independent film and obviously Game of Thrones. That's just started again. I love, I love stuff. That, and I, I love comedy. I've just kind of drilled through all of... French and Saunders again and British sitcoms I absolutely love. So they're kind of like my friends if I ain't got any mates around. <laughs> Do you get up at 2am to watch Game of Thrones? No, no, I'm really, I'm not that diehard. I'm not that diehard. I, I, I would have used to have done because my, my partner was in it for four years. So it would have done then, but now it's like, oh, I'll watch it the next night. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't say what's going to happen to Lisa going forward, but... Um... Would you like to work with Jed again if you got the chance? Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this complexity of character alone is uh, enough to drive you to work with him again. Like anything that that man touches or and writes is just amazing, As particularly for women, actually. His female characters are amazing and they're not two-dimensional in any, 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 any way. And he's, he's been doing that since um, his, his first kind of BBC hit, Bodies. Like, his women in that are amazingly portrayed at a time when women on television were usually quite made up and things like that. He stripped it all back, made them look kind of tired and knackered in, in the A&E department. And, uh, yeah, so always... That's Always. it. Jed only ever gets credit for, for twists and turns. That's what everyone talks yeah, about. Yeah, dramas, but there's so much more to and it. And also the full scenes. Like, he never writes an end of a scene. It's You always feel like those characters are going somewhere else. You can sometimes hit an end too hard with a scene, um, but you always feel like those characters are going on to another journey. They'll go somewhere else in a parallel universe. You might not ever see that, but... And he just gives breathing space and it's proper top-notch writing. And what are you doing next? Or do you, are you able to say yet? Um, I can't give you the I can't give you the title because um, Netflix won't let me. Uh, but uh, it's a Netflix series. That's all I'm allowed to say. I'm so, so joining sorry. Joining the cool kids yeah. over Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Madrid for they took me out to Madrid for a month in January, so I was really happy about that. <laughs> What's it like over in Madrid in January? It's nice. chilly. It's it's a bit chilly. It's a bit like our spring here, um, but it's studio work, so. I mean, trapped in a box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, look out for a secret. Netflix Untitled series. project. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks so much for joining us, Rashenda. No, thank you so much for having me, guys. You've been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. I can't wait to find out what's going to happen next on Line of Duty. Of course, it's back on Sunday evening, nine o'clock, BBC One. And if you missed anything, we've just ruined it all for you anyway, but do go and catch up on the iPlayer. <laughs> You're listening to Series Linked with me, Emma Bullimore and Mark Jeffries. And if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you subscribe and tell your friends where to find us too. I'm Graham Wilcos, here to tell you that the Bradley Wiggins show from Eurosport is back for a brand new series. For 20 years I've just been called a hero and a legend, you know, and other things obviously, but only behind the back. <laughs> we'll bring you stage-by-stage -stage analysis of the Giro d'Italia, the World Championships, La Vuelta, and of course, the Tour de France. Oh, he's, he's got it! Oh. Is that going 
Each week, Sir Brad and our panel of cycling experts will be taking a deep dive into the world of two wheels and lycra. Brailsford could put his hand down a toilet and pull chocolate out. The Bradley Wiggins Show from Eurosport is your essential guide to the greatest events in cycling. Subscribe now on Audioboom, Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Sunday sees the London Marathon coverage live on BBC One. I know people do actually get up and watch that. My mum and dad will definitely be watching it. And we'll all be keeping an eye out to catch a glimpse of the celebrity running it this year. Not Ramsey, but Mark Jeffries. Of course. Yes, come on. I'll be there. How are you feeling? You prepped? I'm pretty well prepped now. Yeah, I mean, it's not something you can sort of do half-heartedly. So I've been training since January. I know lots of the EastEnders cast are doing it as well for Babs and her, her charity close to her heart. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I'm sorry, I can't linger on you too long, Jeffers. We've, right, got, we've got a podcast to put out. So my big question to you to celebrate is this. What are the best and worst running sequences on telly? Niche, but I think you can do it. Yeah, I've, I've looked around a little bit. Worst runners is quite easy. In Friends, uh, Ross once, Series 8, Episode 12, he was teaching two classes either side of New York. Had to try and run between the two. It was a complete disaster. That was awful. David Budd, if you remember, he tried to run back in when Julie Montague was making that speech. That obviously didn't end very well because she's dead. So he didn't run fast enough or, you know, (laughs) he should have done something better. In terms of the best runners, I think you've got to look at Doc 2. David Tennant and Matt Smith both used to love bombing around. They used to talk about it quite a lot. And uh, you look up a lot of the big scenes that they're sprinting around. It made quite a feature of it. But I think the best ever um, pretty much works for every episode. I'm going to try and do the uh, noise. Meep, meep. It would be, it would be Roadrunner. Obviously, the classic 1950s, 1960s cartoon never really got caught. Roadrunner's the winner. But can he run faster than Florence from Death in Paradise? Seriously, that show—they are like action women. It doesn't matter who is in that sort of secondary police officer role. You know, the one below the inspector. Whichever actress is cast, they have to really go for it with the running. They have to jump off piers. I'd like to see a race between them and Roadrunner. Do you think that's part of the audition? Do you think the second in command has to be a, a sprinter? Yeah, sprinting in the Caribbean sunshine. That's the audition. And don't worry about the acting. Let's talk about Netflix now. And I think we need to start with Beyonce. This was a drop last Wednesday. And they've given us a few days notice, but we weren't necessarily expecting it now. So it's quite exciting to have it. Dropped at 8am. I did watch it at 8am. I felt Get you. professionally obliged to. Um, and this is Beyonce Homecoming. It's about her performance at Coachella um, and all the preparation that went into it. Jeffers, I think we think about this slightly differently. What was your initial reaction when you sat and watched it? Well, I was initially expecting it just to be basically a concert. There's plenty of those around, you know, live gigs people have done before. But this is a different take on it. I think she calls it a film and it it is very much more of a film. It's two hours, 17 minutes. It's a big old chunk of uh, documentary and live music. I think it works quite well. I guess the real fans will have already watched it, so we're not really talking to them. You'll have seen it probably five times now. But what you do get if you're perhaps got a passing interest in Beyonce or sort of the music industry generally, you you get some nice behind-the-scenes stuff and you get uh, to hear from Beyonce. She doesn't do a great deal of interviews. And so you get an insight into her world. I mean, it's a it's a fairly PR'd, 
positive spin. You know, you're not going to see her the time she had a massive row or a strop backstage. Or... It's not Bross. No. I mean, def- I'd love it if it was like Beyonce does the Bross documentary. That would be a much better viewing experience. It's very polished, but but visually, I think it looks fantastic. And um, I, I did enjoy the stuff where she's talking about her pregnancy and, and why she couldn't do Coachella in 2017 because of that and the difficulties she had when she had the twins. And so I did feel like I learned a lot about Beyonce as well as uh, obviously seeing some great performances. So I, I like the mix. Didn't you think it was a bit self-indulgent? Like, I mean, obviously it's a film all about Beyonce and therefore she's, she's going to be in it a lot. But I would have preferred to just see her in a room talking to camera, being interviewed properly by a proper journalist rather than her self-edited version of the whole thing. Some of the audio that they used of her was quite grainy. I think to give her this idea that she's this kind of legend with this precious archive footage as if you're listening to Ella Fitzgerald talking years and decades ago. So I don't know, it just sort of annoyed me. We were just talking beforehand about the fact that so at Coachella there's two weekends and she did two different performances in two different sets of outfits and the documentary flicks between those. Now if you didn't know that and if you hear music festival you might think that's one night. There's no explanation of why suddenly she's she's performing in two different sets of costume. No like just even a, a few words on screen. I think it's very it's not very user friendly for anyone who isn't a massive Beyoncé fan. I guess you might think it's magic. I don't know what you, what you think. It'd be, it, it certainly was initially quite confusing for, for me. And then I did read a bit more up on it. And it was obviously then explains that, like you say, it's, it's basically two shows cut together. It's all it's very much all about the the visuals. I think the live performance as well as as well as obviously the songs. She wanted to make it, I think, look uh, very stylized. And I think on, on some level that works. And I'm sure the the super fans are going to absolutely love to see to see both, you know, almost they get to see both nights of the concert. So it works from that point of view as well. I take your point about it not being as good as perhaps if it had been a documentary made by someone else as opposed to herself. And so you don't really get a, a proper interview. There's no there's no pushback. It's obviously she's saying everything that she wants to say or be seen to be saying. She talks about wanting to bring her own sort of culture to Coachella. And um, there's a lot made of... Uh, you know, the performers that she uses and that type of thing. But I did find all that interesting. And what I would say is, you know, she's a huge global star now, one of the biggest in the world. And so this is it. You know, if, if you want a documentary or if you want to learn more about Beyonce, this is the thing to watch. You're not, we're not going to get, um, you know, she's not going to let Channel 4 in or BBC in to do a proper sort of warts and all documentary. That ship has sailed, you know, this is sort of what you're left with. It's the same with, you know, say when David Beckham makes a documentary or that type of thing, you only really get the version that they, they want to come out. And that's because they're, they're such big stars. TV, if it's going to be made for them, it's made on their terms. It's so it's so serious. You know, being a pop star should be fun. And, you know, Beyonce's had some amazing, like, banger-type songs. And, you know, it's really fun to be involved with. But it's so earnest and self-aggrandizing. It's all about, I'm an amazing feminist. I'm an amazing advocate for diversity. I have decided what black culture is, and I am bringing it to this stage. I just, I just think this seems quite arrogant to me. Yes, she's an amazing, stupendous performer, but where's all the fun? Where's all the joy of it and the joy of Destiny's Child? I felt like that was missing just because she wanted to have an opportunity to say how, how great she was and how right on it her views were. I think there's probably something to be said for Netflix to put two versions because the concert itself, I loved the artistic sort of direction of that, the two colours and stuff. I did really enjoy watching all the performances and I did find them really positive and uplifting. I equally like the documentary segments that come sort of every 15, 20 minutes. But if you were going to watch, say, a second time, or perhaps if you just, you know, you want to sit back and in a sort of 
X Factor BGT style, just sort of watch an hour and a half concert. There's something to be said probably for just having the the live concert and taking the documentary bits out and having a sort of raw concert version. I guess that's why she's also brought out a live album at the same time and the fans are going to listen to that rather than necessarily watch this millions of times because of the, the documentary bits which you're not going to necessarily want to watch more than a couple of times. I, I agree with you about the performances. Like She is an incredible performer and it was amazing to see her do all of that stuff and it was it was really interesting to learn about her personal life as well but yeah just it wasn't quite quite what I was looking for personally and, and two hours 17 again you could, you could argue that for an again for a non-Beyonce fan perhaps a version that was a, a little tighter you know would, would lend itself more to, a, to an easier watch okay well let's talk about something else on Netflix now there's a new Uma Thurman horror coming called Chambers did it scare you? No, not really. To oh. be honest, it, it didn't even really get in any way sort of psychological or scary for like the first 30 or 40 minutes. That's not to say I didn't quite like it. The first episode really grabs you in the first five minutes. So the main character in it is called Sasha and she is a young girl and it starts with her and her boyfriend sort of making out and going off in a car and sort of having a, a night together. It all goes wrong without giving too much away and basically she ends up in hospital. She has to have a sort of organ transplant. And from there, it sort of gets a little bit more creepy, but it's a quite a good sort of dramatic opening. And the horror comes in from the fact that she's had this organ donation and the, the person that originally had had the heart, essentially. And so it goes from there. What, what did you think about it? Well, I mean, that's not a new or original concept necessarily, but it is a good one, I think, for a horror. The idea of having someone else's organ inside you and what that could mean, what how that could influence you. Uh, and Uma Thurman comes into it because she is the mother of the donor and she wants to meet the girl who's taken her daughter's organ. Um, and it, I don't know, I, I thought it was quite a fun start to a drama. I didn't think, wow, this has gripped me like Line of Duty. But also, you know, I watch, people always say about this job, oh, you get to watch telly all the time. A lot of telly is actually quite boring. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, dramas that are instantly forgettable. Whereas this, I was thinking about later. I did think, oh, yeah, that's quite good. Oh, I'll be interested to see where it goes next. And I think it has the potential to get better I don't know but then some of the reviews have said that it actually gets worse so I don't know yeah I, I think also if we, we reviewed uh, You I think on Netflix another drama a few weeks back I think maybe if you liked that or I think the director or the, the showrunner mentioned they, they were very influenced by Virgin Suicide it's got a bit of a feel of that to it as well but but yeah, the worry is this first episode, I think we both quite liked it, but but a lot of the reviews say that after sort of five, six episodes, it does tend to go uh, downhill and, and the plot tends to thin out a bit. It's a 10-part series. I'm quite interested to watch a bit more, but you do wonder where it's going to go and maybe it's going to get silly or convoluted because it's all sort of really set up in the first one. Um, there's sort of also a class issue with regards to Sasha's family. They're, they're fairly poor and the family where she's got a, the heart donation from, they're very rich. And so there's a bit of a push and pull with that. And visually, it also looks really beautiful. There's a sort of sandstorm at one point that looks absolutely crazy. And so it all looks good. I think Sasha as a character is really good. Uma Thurman, obviously, very good actor. And so it's all really set up. But I think it's sort of hit or miss where it's going to go after this first episode. Now it's time once again to add to the list of box sets to watch before you die. I hope you're keeping a list. Each week, one of our favourite faces from the telly tells us a must-see series. Last week, Nick Knowles chose The West Wing, pretty popular choice. This week, it's the turn of actor Alex Kingston, who you'll currently see in The Widow. This is her box set choice. Hi, I'm Alex Kingston. My box sets to watch before you die are... E-R. It's right about the left elbow, hanging on by a two-centimeter skin bridge. Why can you tell me your name? <laughs> My arm is falling 
Saki is an airway. Can we save it? I'm gonna try with this pressure dressing. Oh, we gotta pop her here. The best hospital drama on the planet, in my opinion. And um, no, I'm not biased. And the other one is The Looming Tower. This isn't a war about one man. His people actually believe. I have to say that I agree with John on this one. You are making a mistake, sir. There's simply too much risk. Someday this administration will be remembered for the risks it didn't take. Directed by Alex Gibney, a brilliant uh, documentary director, but it's a drama about the events leading up to the 9-11 tragedy and the rivalry between the FBI and the CIA. Bin Laden has made these threats before, but this time he put a time cap on it, saying that whatever violence awaits will occur within the next few weeks. What I need you for is to figure out what happens next so we can stop it. How many Arabic speakers do we have in the Bureau? Eight Arabic speakers out of more than 10,000 agents. That's how seriously our government takes this threat. It is absolutely compulsive viewing with some incredible cast. You got a stash of intel that you refuse to share with my agents. You don't know how many people might be endangered by being privy to information that you are not cleared for. Might I make a suggestion? Use the chain of command. It exists for a reason. To them who are here in the room, to those who are watching on television, your government failed you. So, Jeffers, ER, I guess we could have expected that to some degree. Yeah, I mean, first of all, we've got to call Alex out there. I think she's the first uh, person we've had on who's nominated their own show. So, you Good know, luck to her. I think, I think it's good. But yeah, her other choice, her main choice really is the Looming Tower. And the good news is um, it's coming to BBC. It's going to be on BBC Two from this Friday, uh, BBC Two and iPlayer, 9.30. And uh, yeah, it sounds fascinating. It's not one I've seen myself. It's 10 parts. And it's all about this this sort of argument between the FBI and the CIA um, during the sort of late 1990s when they thought there was a big threat from bin Laden and Al-Qaeda, sort of pre-9-11. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's sort of this rivalry and, and, and what goes on there. So it sounds interesting stuff. So this is from Hulu, who obviously made The Handmaid's Tale as well, big streaming service in the US. Exciting to see someone taking on Netflix, if not here, but over there, and to see what else they come up with. Yeah, it's just good, I think, also that we, we sort of, in this box set, that it's not just HBO stuff. I think Hulu's another big player, particularly in the last couple of years. And as you say, hopefully lots more big dramas to come. Thanks very much, Alex, for that then. And if you haven't seen ER, make sure you check that out. And if you want to watch The Looming Tower, that's going to be Fridays, 9.30 on BBC Two. And if you want to see Alex Kingston, she's in The Widow, which continues on ITV this week and the ITV Hub. There will be another box set to watch before you die next week. So we're almost out of time for this week's episode, but as ever... The best is yet to come. We need to scan across our EPGs, hazard a little guess at what we're going to be talking about, not just next week, but also next month and next year. So, Jeffers, what should we be keeping an eye on? So next week, we've got Planet Child. This is an ITV programme, three parts. It sounds to me a bit like The Secret Life of Four and Five Year Olds. It was on Channel 4. Um, but they're saying, or certainly ITV is saying, it's a much bigger and bolder experiment. It's across the world. It's looking at lots of uh, young children and sort of exploring... Uh, what they're like at risk-taking, independence, morality and, and gender awareness. So I think it's going to be quite an interesting experiment, that one. Mm, intriguing. Next month. Next month, we've got Hat and Garden, a new ITV drama, which is all about the jewellery raids, the famous one. It's a Jeff Pope drama. He does Little Boy Blue, that sort of thing. So it's going to be very good. Four parts and Timothy Spall's involved as well. We've also got Taskmaster returning to Dave on the 8th of May. Who's in the team this year? 
Uh, we have got Ian Sterling, the voice of Love Island, Joe Thomas from In Between Us, Lou Sanders, a very good stand-up, Paul Singer, and Sean Gibson from Karsha. So, yeah, another pretty good lineup. And what about next year? Next year, the details are a bit vague at the moment, but Mike Myers from Austin Powers, he's doing a new comedy series for Netflix. He's just about to start doing it, so that won't drop until 2020. Exciting, right? Lots for us to look forward to there. But that's all we have time for for this episode. This has been the Series Linked podcast. If you've enjoyed it, and we really hope that you have, please do go on, leave us a five-star rating and a review if you would. And make sure you've subscribed as well so the next episode is ready and waiting for you when it drops next Tuesday. For now, though, bye-bye. See you later. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to. Because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from. Some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy. So we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.